This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Make sure you turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. Please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, things that you like, things that you don't like. I want to know how to make this show better for all you Met fans out there. So let me know what you think. Also, on Apple Podcasts, leave me a five-star review if you really like it. That way I could climb up the rankings in Mets podcasts and in baseball podcasts so that more Met fans can see the subway to Shea. So please, write me a review. Let me know what you think. I would really appreciate it. You can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube. This podcast is now available every Thursday on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside new podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and NBA, and Sus Talk. Just search High Spot Podcasts on YouTube or youtube.com slash highspotpodcast and make sure to subscribe today. Coming up in just a little bit, Matthew Tutrone. He'll be joining us shortly to talk about his apparel and clothing company called 1986. Now, I found out about 1986 through Twitter and a shirt that Alex Cohen was wearing, Steve Cohen's wife, saying you gotta believe in Uncle Steve, and that shirt came from Matthew Tetrone. So we're gonna talk to him in just a little bit about his company, about his fandom of the Mets, and about the 2021 Mets and his initial impressions so far. Now, it's been a heck of a roller coaster week. Since the last time I came on the air, so much has gone down. So much. Now, I got to thank Michael Barron for coming on with us. Great interview. Great breaking down and previewing the season with him and talking about the Lindor contract. Now, when we were talking about it on the air on Wednesday, nothing had been settled yet. There was no contract at that time. So we were trying to figure out if this contract would get done. And it did. Maybe a couple of hours after the show was posted on Wednesday, we found out Wednesday night that the Mets and Francisco Lindor came to an agreement on a 10-year, $341 million extension, and that was made official on Monday. Now, Lindor had his press conference, and my two favorite lines from his press conference was a line that he said to the fans. He goes to the fans in New York, here we go, baby. And that that's, you know, getting you energized, getting you pumped, because he's excited and ready to be here as well. Also, he was asked how he would feel at the end of the contract when he'll be probably around 30 years old, and he goes, I'm going to be a bad mother effer. You got to just love his energy and enthusiasm, right? He just, you know, radiates positivity with his smile and the way he plays on the field and his leadership intangibles. If 
and when he produces, the Mets fans are going to go nuts. On that field, when he hits a big home run or he makes a big defensive play, the fans are just going to love and eat up all of it. It feels like he is a New Yorker already. He wore the Coming to America jacket, that that lovely New York Mets Coming to America jacket. I, I even want that jacket. So this is going to be a fun ride for the next 10 years with Francisco Lindor. Can you believe that? 10 years we get to see Francisco Lindor play for the New York Mets. And I'm very excited about it. And I know you guys are too. You know, a lot of people were getting upset and there were even some that were complaining that this deal wouldn't get done and they were talking about the Mets being at three, I think it was 300 or 325 and then Francisco Lindor being at 12 years and 380. We said that they would meet in the middle. That's what I thought. I thought that they were going to do 11, maybe 350, but they kept with the 10 years and the AAV just went up. So now... Francisco Lindor will make 341. He's happy. The Mets are happy. I'm pretty sure Steve Cohen's happy, especially after the dinner that they had together. And even Francisco Lindor thanked Alex Cohen. They're both of Puerto Rican heritage, and they got along right off the bat. And she helped along with this whole process. And it's great that it got done. They gave the Mets the deadline to opening day. And I expected right up to opening day that it would get signed. And it did. So congratulations to the Mets. Congratulations to Steve Cohen. Especially huge congratulations to Francisco Lindor, who will probably now be a Met for the rest of his career. He will probably be in this New York Met uniform for the rest of his career. And if he wins a World Series here and is a big part of that, this will go down as one of the greatest trades in, you know, definitely in Mets history, but maybe baseball as well. You know the big trades the Mets have made to bring in Mike Piazza. They went to the World Series, but they didn't win it. More so on the lines of a Gary Carter who when he came here, they won the World Series. And also Keith Hernandez, he came a few years before that, but they also won a World Series, him and Carter together. So if Francisco Lindor can win a World Series and pull that off, he's going to be loved here forever. So the Mets got this signing before opening day with the Washington Nationals. So then we go to Thursday. Wednesday night, the deal was signed. We go to Thursday and opening day was canceled. Why? Well, there were a couple of COVID cases with the Washington Nationals. And as soon as I heard that, I said to myself, you know what? Just pack your bags up and go to Philadelphia. I rather have the series canceled and be safe than to play the Nationals and eventually have someone come up with COVID on the Mets. That was my initial, you know, thought process with that whole situation. So on Thursday, opening day was postponed. Then, I think it was Friday afternoon, they postponed the rest of the series. I don't know too much about who or what happened with the Washington Nationals and how the COVID cases came out or how these guys got COVID. You know, we're all human. I wish them nothing but health and that they get healthy from this this virus that's been going on. I was very upset that we didn't get to see Mets baseball all weekend. So I had to watch other stuff. I even had to tune in a little bit to see what the Yankees were doing because I just needed baseball. So it was a little sad all weekend not having baseball. So you go from that very high up on Wednesday evening when Francisco Lindor signs. Then you go down, going down the roller coaster because the Nationals games were canceled, were 
you know, postponed, I guess is the better term to use. But they were postponed. So all weekend, no Mets baseball. Then we go, well, before that, you know, it was disappointing, but those games will be made up. And let's talk about that real quick. June 19th is a doubleheader. June 28th, they, instead of having a day off, they're going to play on that day, on June 28th. And that's going to be just one game. Then September 4th is another doubleheader. All games will be at Nationals Park. And I hope that we can get through this season with a whole lot less of COVID issues. I'm surprised that we're going 162. Because if a team needs to be out for a week or two, there's only so much days in the year that you can block off this stuff. You know, when you did the 60 games, at least you had some time here and there to, you know, move the schedule around. You don't have that much time to do that. But, you know, those are going to be the rescheduled games. You'll get two sets of double headers, and then the Mets will play on June 28th, which was originally supposed to be a day off. So let's continue on this roller coaster ride that's called the New York Mets. Opening day Monday against Philadelphia, Jacob DeGrom is on the mound. And you're thinking to yourself, this is going to be awesome. Great record against the Phillies. He's been great on opening day. I don't think he's even given up an earned run yet on opening day. You know, he faced the Nationals in 2019. He faced and won that game against Max Scherzer. I think it was like 2-0 or something like that. Then he faced the Braves last year at home. And the Mets won 1-0, but, you know, he didn't last too long in the game. He got taken out, I think, in the fifth before, or the fifth or the sixth before they scored on the UNSS, but his home run. But they won that game as well. Now we go to Philadelphia on Monday. Jacob deGrom on the mound going up against Matt Moore. Journeyman Matt Moore. And the Mets lose the game 5-3. to three. Now deGrom was brilliant. Six innings pitched, zero runs, seven Ks on 77 pitches. Not to forget that he was most of the offense that night. He had an RBI on two hits. The big problem with this game and a lot of Met fans, including myself, were frustrated with Luis Rojas for taking him out. On 77 pitches, he could have at least gone through the 7th. Now I know they both agreed for him to come out. And, you know, you have to trust Jake and his body and how he feels, ultimately. But I don't fully agree that it was just that reason only. They both agreed that with the 10-day layoff, that he should only go six innings. Now, I guess I understand that, but what does innings really have to do with the way he feels? Why is it not the pitches? I don't know if it was on the broadcast or someone said that Jake would go up to 100 pitches. And he was only at 77 through 6th. There was one inning where he had nine pitches. So why couldn't he go out for one more? I just don't understand the thought process with this for Luis Rojas. And I know people are saying, well, if he would have pitched the seventh inning, Trevor May and Aaron Loop would have came in the eighth anyway. Well, that's fine. But now you're burning some of your bullpen when you didn't have to. Miguel Castro came in in the seventh, and he had a pretty good seventh inning, got out of that unscathed. But now you used him for no reason when you could have had Jake pitch one more, even if he just started the inning. You never know if he would have got out with another quick nine-pitch inning. And we'll never know. So he comes out of the game, and now three innings has to go to the bullpen, which most Met fans are worried about anyway. Two people that I weren't worried about were Aaron Loop and Trevor May. Now, they blew the game. Trevor May had a rough 
inning, but I liked what I heard from May after the game. He took a lot of responsibility for the loss. I think he's going to be fine. You know, he came back Tuesday night. He struggled a little bit, but ended the inning with two strikeouts and not giving up any runs. So I think Trevor May is going to be fine, and Aaron Loop as well. But when you have the best pitcher, not only on the Mets, not only is he the ace of the Mets, but he's the best pitcher in baseball, and it's not even close. When you have him on the mound and he is cruising, why not give him the seventh? Why are you taking him out in the sixth? I feel like it should be by the pitches, not by the innings. You know, if he had 80, 90 pitches in the sixth, understandable, take him out. But he only has 77 pitches. Why couldn't he go to the seventh? And even if they took him out mid-seventh, I don't know. I just, I may be nitpicking because it's early on in the season, but I know a lot of Met fans were frustrated with this, and so was I. I'm a Met fan. You know, I do this podcast for the Met fans, and I know we were frustrated about Jake being taken out early. And if you're going to save him for later on in the season, then he better be pitching. If he's pitching a shutout and not that many pitches, you better leave him in and let him finish the game. Let him do his stuff. That is a game the Mets should have won, and they didn't. Another thing that Luis Rojas did was he started Kevin Pillar over Dom Smith. You know, Pillar played center field. He had a great play in the first inning, and they had Brandon Nimmo out there and left. I don't understand why Dom couldn't go up against the lefty. And what I heard was Rojas saying that, you know, lefty versus lefty. I don't want him in there against the lefty. And, and you know, Pilar hits lefties better. But in all honesty, Dom is such a great hitter, and he's been hitting against lefties. Already, game one... And I'm already confused with some of the moves Luis Rojas has been making. And his explanations have not been great either. You know, the fact that throughout this entire series with the Phillies, the fact that Gary, Keith, and Ron seem to be confused with almost every move that Luis Rojas makes is a very telling sign. And it's very worrisome. You know, I really want to see Rojas succeed here, but I'm very concerned if he is ready for this spot yet because this Mets team is ready to go. They're ready to compete, but if the manager is making these oddball moves, is he someone that's going to cost the Mets games like Mickey Calloway did in 2018 and 2019? That's what I worry about with Luis. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he gets in the groove, but this first series was a little bit worrisome. Now, in Game 2 on Tuesday, the Mets won 8-4. Great performance by Marcus Stroman. Six innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, two walks, and three strikeouts. Dom Smith and Pete Alonso, both with two run home runs. Pete Alonso is off the gate on fire, playing well on the field, making great defensive plays, trying to get into his inner Keith Hernandez there at first base. And then you have him hitting well. He almost gave the Mets the lead in the ninth on the Monday Phillies home opener. But the bullpen still struggled. Even with an 8-1 to lead, the bullpen was still struggling. Miguel Castro came in, and you got a little worried. They brought Trevor May back out there as well, and he struggled a little bit. He got out with the two strikeouts, and then Jerry's Familia struggled. Now, I, I mentioned on Twitter that I've seen everything that I've needed to see from Jerry's Familia. Ever since that Connor Gillespie home run in 2016, he's never been the same. 17, 18, 19, 20. How much more do I need to see? It's not that I want him to fail. I want him to do well and I want him to pitch well. But what I see on TV as a fan, what I'm watching, how can I think any other way? 
because you see the same stuff every season. Yeah, he got out of the inning and the Mets won the game, but it still doesn't look like he's, you know, over the hump. Yes, one game. Got it. 10-day layoff. Got it. But we're not going to be able to, to hear these excuses all season long. At some point, the production needs to get better. And I know I'm not a baseball player, but I can only do what I do here, podcasting, as a fan. And like you fans, you watch, and you're going to be critical. We're all going to be critical of what we see. And I'm very worried about this bullpen. Very. This series against the Phillies was not a great start for the bullpen. Whether Citizens Bank Ballpark is a band box is neither here or there. But the bullpen struggled. Then you go to the Wednesday game. Mets lose 8-2. Rough first inning for David Peterson, gave up four runs, a homer by Reese Hoskins, and also a three-run home run by Bohm to be in the first inning was a rough watch. But Peterson settled down, and I'm not worried about him at all. He will come back from that. He struggled last year against Philly, and he struggled in the opener against Philly. You could tell he was just a little too energized because James McCann had to calm him down. Even Francisco Lindor had to talk to him. And that's the leadership, the intangibles from a Francisco Lindor we mentioned earlier. And also James McCann also bringing his leadership in there. And McCann had some type of few days behind the plate, trying to corral so many wild pitches. His pitch framing was great. I thought he did very well behind the plate and a a very huge upgrade over Wilson Ramos. So the Mets lose the game 8-2. Peterson, rough first. I think he'll be fine, like I said before. Pete Alonso still hot on RBI single. But the Mets offense struggled today mightily. 14 men left on base, 1 for 12 with the runners in scoring position. What does this remind you of? It reminds you of last year. The Mets struggled last year with runners in scoring position. You gotta hope that they get over this hump. You know, last year they struggled so much, but they had all these men on base. The batting average was great, but they just couldn't get these runners in. And they need to figure out a way to do that. They need to get clutch. It has to happen. But that was the first series for the Mets. This whole week was a roller coaster. Typical Mets week. Good, bad, good, bad. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. I can only imagine what happens when we get to the home opener. Can only imagine. But joining me now on the Subway to Shea podcast is Matthew Tatrone. Matthew is the owner and creator of the Apparel and Clothing Company, 1986. Matthew, how are you doing today, buddy? All right, Anthony. How are you doing? I'm doing just well. First off, I want to tell you that I love the tagline of your brand. Born from suffering, raised from hope. We're already dealing with that right now at the start of the season. So that's, <laughs> that's perfect right. right now. It represents yep. everything of the Met fans to a T. Yep. Where did your fandom for the Mets begin? I began when I was a little kid. You know, I was about seven years old in 86, just kind of coming into awareness of things like sports. And it was right place, right time. I remember uh, I was carving pumpkins during the World Series with my family and watching the watching game seven of 86 and running back and forth to the living room. We went nuts when when they won, you know, just it was started back then. You know, my mom was a Mets fan. Her dad, my grandfather was a Dodgers fan. And obviously when they left, he became a Mets fan. So, you know, it's, it's the same story as a lot of people in, in the New York area. So now I assume that the 1986 Mets 
Nets, like you were talking about, had a lot to do with the naming of the company. Is oh, there yeah. any other story behind that whole naming of the company? You know, I just thought it was a clever play on words. You know, it was the last time they've won, obviously. So I wanted to sort of exercise the demons of that drought that we've been going through for 35 years now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. And I was born a month after they won in 86. So I totally miss that. I haven't seen a championship yet, but I do from time to time like to go back, whether it's on YouTube or I even have the Let's Go Mets Go VHS. And I like mm-hmm. to look back and just reminisce about what sure. a great team they were. You oh, know? Yeah. So yeah, definitely. who was your favorite player on that 86 team? Keith Hernandez, 100%. You know, I was, I, I'm a lefty. I love to play first base in Little League. So, you know, all my, I still have all my old Little League cards and they, you know, they list on the back instead of, you know, instead of your stats, they list who's your favorite MLB player. And it's always Keith Hernandez. He was cool. You know, he was a slick fielder. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I know that's, uh, a lot of people say he's uh, borderline, but I think he's 100% Hall of Famer for his fielding alone. Yeah, and he's a two-time world champion. Yeah. I mean, he hits in the clutch. Oh, I, I feel like they really need to reevaluate how these guys go into the Hall of Fame. And like you yeah. said, he's definitely borderline there, and he does deserve some consideration. Absolutely. Now, once again, I'm here with Matthew Tatrone, owner and creator of the apparel and clothing company 1986. So how I found out about 1986 was on Twitter. I saw a picture posted. I don't know if it was by Steve Cohen or by his wife, Alex, and she was wearing a shirt that said, you gotta believe in Uncle Steve. And it come to find out that that shirt was from you. Can you tell us how that whole situation came about? Yeah, that was posted by Alex on Twitter um, back when she was on Twitter. So about a year before the sale to Steve Cohen was finally finalized. That's when I kind of started designing and selling the shirts. I was selling them on Etsy at the time. And when I I had first, I, you know, I just had a few designs up at first. And then when I heard about Steve Cohen possibly buying the team the first time back in 2019, I didn't really know who he was. I looked into him, did some research. I said, this guy is great. He would be a great owner. He's a lifelong fan. He's got a, obviously a ton of money, but you know, very smart, analytical mind. So I said, this is awesome. Like, I really would like this guy to end up buying the Mets. So I just made a shirt and it just said, I heart Steve Cohen. Very simple design. And, you know, it didn't really sell too much. And then the deal fell through a few months later. So, you know, I didn't think about the shirt anymore. I was actually going to take it down from Etsy. But I guess Alex, it must have been brought to her attention that the shirt was out there on Etsy um, because she bought one. And I guess some of her friends bought them and she kind of reached out to me. She, She sent me a message and just thanking me for the shirt and you know, saying she loves it. And, uh, you know, I, when this, when the deal with the second deal started, I decided I got to make a new shirt because if he's, if he's still going for the Mets at this point, he's going to, he's going to get it. You know, this guy's persevering. You can't count this guy out. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I decided to make a new shirt. I came up with the idea for the, you know, the, the, you gotta believe in uncle Steve. I, you know, I'd seen on Twitter, fans calling him Uncle Steve. I thought that was great. You know, that's such a great uh, nickname for the guy because he is, you know, like your rich uncle, your, your benefactor coming in and helping you out. So, uh, and then obviously paired with you gotta believe there's not, there's not a more met slogan than that. So, and it rolls off the tongue. So I thought, okay, that's a great design for the shirt. Great, great slogan to put on a shirt. And because uh, Alex had ordered previously, you know, I just, 
sent her a new shirt on, you know, just kind of, yeah, let's see if she likes it, you know? So sure enough, when the deal went through, she's wearing the shirt in the picture on Twitter. And it, you know, it blew my mind. I, I was running around my apartment showing my wife. I was texting, you know, I was getting texts from friends. I was texting my family. It was, it was pretty cool. So, uh, you know, she seemed, she seemed to like it, obviously. So that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I can't even imagine just that feeling you see her in, in that picture with a shirt that you created, that you made. And to see the owner of the team, yeah. who has become so popular now with the fan base, oh, to yeah. see him with that shirt. And it, it's only good for, you know, seeing them with it on and then seeing for you. It gives you, you know, good publicity for the website and everything. So, you know, Absolutely. congratulations on that whole that Thank whole you. situation. That, that, that was great. You know, I've, I've yeah. been through the website. You not only sell T-shirts. What are some other things that Met fans can purchase from your website? I've got mugs and throw pillows, you know, stuff for around the house. Um, got masks. Masks are important right now. You're not going to get into City Field without a mask. Absolutely. So you can definitely buy some masks. I'm, I'm creating more designs all the time. Um, you know, I have a, a ton of ideas, a long list of, uh, of ideas that, I, that I'm developing for new designs. So, you know, you got to check back frequently. You sign up for the mailing list and obviously on social media, I'm always posting new designs and stuff. So, yeah, this, you know, I, I have some framed pieces of art, I think, up there too. You hang up in your home. So, but the main thing is t-shirts and, and sweatshirts, hoodies, things like that. You know, stuff that you can wear around, uh, wear out to the game. So, What is your favorite, I guess, design or logo that you came up with or one that's that's been popular so far? Is it the, <laughs> is mean, it the you gotta believe Uncle Steve or is there something else that you you really like you got to believe in uncle steve's a big one for sure i mean that's that's the that's the one that really uh that was my breakout so to speak but the the very first design i ever came up with was sort of just i i came up with the post I, I i would post it with my friends just you know going back and forth on social media during a you know a, a rough met season but it's the design that says whelp um <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I came up with it. I you know, obviously I took the M from the Mets logo, I flipped it upside down and make a W and then wrote out the rest in, in the similar script to the to the Mets script logo. And I just it constantly cracks me up because it, it encapsulates so much of what it is to watch the Mets over the years. It's just like, well, <laughs> You know, it's a, you're watching the game that they got a two nothing lead going into the seventh. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. A lot of that, a lot of sighing, a lot of just yep. bewilderment. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's one of the things I try to uh, try to capture uh, with the designs. You know, just all the different moods that we go in, uh, that we go through as Mets fans. Um, you know, from the frustration. So you know, sometimes a little bit of anger, but also excitement. You know, the, the LFGM obviously is 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 a big you know thing with uh, a lot of fans. Uh, Pete Alonso is always signing off in his post game interviews with it. Uh, so it, you know, you run the gamut of emotions being a Mets fan. It's really a, a wide range of uh, of Mets moods. I like to call them. Speaking of Welp and these 2021 New York Mets, what are your initial impressions of what you've seen so far? I, I chuckle a little bit because this has been, since I did my last podcast last week on Wednesday, from Wednesday till this Wednesday, it's been, the only way I could term it is a Mets week. Yeah. 
a typical Mets week. You know, you yeah. sign Lindor, then yep. the, the whole weekend series is canceled. Then right. you start here, you have the whole DeGrom debacle, you know, you have the, the big win on Tuesday with Strowman, and then mm-hmm. on Wednesday, it, they flat out, you know, get crushed, and the bullpen yeah. is the same as it was in 2020. It's been just such a Mets week. What are your impressions of what you've seen so far? I mean... There's definitely potential. There's definitely promise there. We knew going into the season, the bullpen was going to be a question mark. We knew, you know, guys like, well, we, we thought the guys like Familia and Batances would be the question mark, but uh, it, it's it's turning out maybe uh, some other guys are question marks too. But, you know, it's still so early, you know, it, everything is kind of, you can't really take too much away from it yet because of the 10 day layoff, you know, because of the stupid nationals <laughs> just uh you hey, know i said up. yeah i said that the season doesn't start until saturday because right. that's when this whole 10 day layoff is exactly. over with so yep. Degrom, yep. if he's Extract. pitching a shutout he better be pitching mm-hmm. seven innings yep there's no excuses no more excuses right. after this yeah baseball is such a uh y- y- it's such a uh you got to get into a rhythm to really play well obviously you know and and they're just not in their rhythm yet so we got to wait and see like you said till saturday i think that's really the unofficial start of of uh the season and it's interesting that you bring up rhythm because last year the mets kind of started to get on a little roll before Mm -hmm. i don't know if it was when they were in miami or what happened that where covid hit and they were out for like a week yeah and then that kind of they, they could never recover it derailed the season. I'm, I'm 100% convinced of that. It's going to be a very, very interesting season. I know you're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. You know, yeah. I, I, I post a lot on Twitter and I do, you know, I do make fun of the bullpen. I did a lot, you know, during Wednesday's game. I made fun right. a lot of the bullpen. But I do want to see these guys succeed. Like, even though Familia may do bad or uh, Batanzas or Jacob Barnes or whoever, Gazelman, even though, you know, I may post these things sometimes, I do want to see them succeed. I want to see them do well. I I think we all do. Of course. And yeah, I, yeah, they, uh, they seem like good guys. They have a world of potential. You know, Trevor May came in here. It was very exciting to to see what he did in uh, Minnesota. And he has the connection with Hefner. It's, you know, they have all these guys they brought in and they definitely have the potential to be a very good bullpen, but it's just, they got to get, like I said, in that rhythm, you know, uh, I guess that's that's all there is to it. Yeah, I could tell you right now, Trevor May is the least person that I'm worried about. And also, even after a rough start for David Peterson, I, I, I'm not worried about him either. Oh, he settled down today beautifully. It was, you know, he, he ended up with, a, I think, a better line than, than Aaron Nola in the end. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, Matthew, before I let you go, let everyone know where they connect with you on social media and where they can buy, you know, the merch from 1986. We talked about it, but let them know where they can uh, get in contact with you and, and buy the stuff. Sure. So on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at 1986. Uh, that's 19 spelled out. The number's 86 and a D. And actually, uh, it, it was uh, Wayne Randazzo mispronounced it when he was doing that Q and A, that Twitter uh, Twitter Q and A with with Steve Cohen, he said it was 1986 D and, and made a little quip. Uh, you know, I guess A, B, and C were taken. So yeah, you can't uh, you can't A- miss those specific <laughs> little points when you're typing in the website. So sure, um, yeah. And then my website is one nine eight six D dot com nineteen eighty six dot com. 
Wow. Uh, Matthew, I can't thank you enough for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Let's do it again sometime. We'll even just to, you know, recap the week that is, you know, we'll, we'll do this again. Maybe you can come on co-host and we'll just talk it up for, you know, what's going on with the Mets that week. And hopefully it's more positive than negative. Hopefully we can leave the whelps out of the, uh, the weekly, uh, episode. I hope so. That sounds great, Anthony. Thanks. All right, Matthew. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, man. All right. Take care. That was Matthew Tatrone, owner and creator of the apparel and clothing company 1986 make sure you check out his website and buy some merch he's got great stuff and check out everything he's got stuff from the 86 team he's got stuff from the 69 team a lot of good things the you gotta believe in uncle steve shirts i think he's got uh, phone cases like he said pillows He's got a whole bunch of great stuff on that website. Please check it out. Please buy some merch and support Matthew Tatrone and 1986. All right, let's get some final thoughts in here. Mets home opener versus the Marlins coming up on Thursday. Taiwan Walker gets the start. It's going to be his first Mets appearance this season. Saturday, Jacob DeGrom back on the mound on five days rest this time. So hopefully if he's pitching well, we don't see Luis Rojas give him the hook early. Marcus Stroman will probably be coming back on Sunday. And then the Mets have a four-game series against the Phillies who will be coming to City Field. That starts next Monday. We talked about Lindor's contract, and now it's time to shift focus onto other extensions. Will Michael Conforto get one? Will Noah Syndergaard get one? Because we're going to need more pieces in the rotation once Syndergaard becomes a free agent and Marcus Stroman possibly becoming a free agent. That leaves two spots open in the rotation. So the Mets need to decide if they're going to have Syndergaard come back. And what do you do, like I said, with Michael Conforto? They did not do any real serious talks during the spring because they were focused on Francisco Lindor. So I don't think that the Conforto camp with him and Scott Boris have put a deadline on the Mets, but we'll see if this gets done during the season, whether it gets done during the offseason, or if the Mets just let Michael Conforto go. We'll see what they decide to do. There has been preliminary extension talks with Jacob deGrom though. I know that his, I think, opt-out is in 2022, so I know the Mets will try to lock him in. I want him to be a Met forever. He needs to be a Met forever. Can't have the same thing that happened to Tom Seaver happen with Jacob deGrom. When you're the best pitcher in all of baseball, you don't leave. He needs to be a lifer like, you know, Adam Wainwright was for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, Tom Seaver could have been a lifer, but that front office ruined it. Dick Young ruined it. I hope that doesn't happen here, and I don't think it will because Steve Cohen was a huge fan of Tom Seaver, and I think he understands the process, especially not only being the owner of the Mets, but being a Met fan. So I hope those talks escalate, not maybe during this season, but maybe during next season that we start thinking about this. All right, I'm going to wrap up the show here. Please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, stuff you like, stuff you don't like. I want to know how to make this show better each and every week for you Met fans out there. So if you could do me a favor, you can go on Apple Podcasts, leave me a review, give me five stars, help me to climb the rankings in the baseball and Mets podcast world. I want more and more Met fans listening to this show each and every week. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show and subscribe on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, 
Republic, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. You can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube. This podcast is now available every Thursday on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside new podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, The Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and NBA, and Sus Talk. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash high spot podcast and make sure to subscribe today and do me a favor listen subscribe share and review subway to shay and as always we sign off saying let's go mets